Hello everyone and welcome back for episode 2 of series 2 of the Waffle Box podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Keith Russell. On the line there we have the other fella, Chris Sherlock. Say hello, Chris. Hello, folks. I like my new alter ego name, the other fella. That's classy. <laughs> yeah. So how are you, Chris? How's, been, how's the week been? It's been good, actually. Yeah, kept busy, you know, doing the radio stuff. How's your mm-hmm. week been going? Oh, it's been absolute crap, Chris. Not oh, really? Joking. It's, ah, it's been fine. Life is what it is. Sure, we have to deal with these things, don't we? If we don't deal with them, yeah. we'll, we'll be fucked. <laughs> but not my Yeah, head. exactly. Yeah. Come here, listen, talk about your radio stuff. You had an interesting guest on your radio show during the week that I want to tell people about because I listened to it again last night and I thought it was brilliant. Um, you had the uh, the brilliant Keith Barry on your show and I know you've had him on a few times. He's brilliant and he did a bit of a, a bit of a trick with you on the show, didn't he? Do you want to tell people about it? Because I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, it was great having Keith back on the show. To be honest, he's amazing. I'd like just to sit back and watch. Like I could actually watch him all day. I'm an avid fan and I'm lucky to be in the business where I get to interview these guys. He's trickery that he does. <laughs> He's caught me twice. Uh, the first time he, he caught me was he got my bank pin number and trying to change your bank pin number around New Year's week is a nightmare because you can't get a bloody bank open to go and change these things. But having said that, um, the, the latest trickery that he done was was he made me kind of think about a holiday destination, a celebrity that I'd like to be on holiday with, and if I could guess their three digits of their phone number. So everything wasn't, you know, rehearsed or anything like that. It was just off the top of my head. The number thing was weird and the destination thing was weird because I literally just thought of them there and then in the second. And um, there's many celebrities that I'd like to go on holiday with, to tell you the truth. So, And that's never been a secret or put it up on social media. But the, the numbers were just literally digits I had actually written down from thing that I, ha- I had here on a piece of paper. And like there was no possible way he could have known all this. So it was just it was just mad. And the fact that like he literally had the answers that I was saying yeah. on a luggage tag that was strapped to the neck of his t-shirt so it was just crazy just go back and and watch it because it does a better justice than me Mm. explaining it even the thing with the pin number like I never gave him the pin number I never wrote it down I never you know gave him any hints I was just sitting there looking at him so but both things were filmed so they are on YouTube and like when you go and see them as you see it is exactly what happened so he's just mad just uh, I just love the bones of him he's great crack yeah, yeah. How do you think you did it with the suitcase yesterday? Have you any idea? No, I, you see, I'm one of these guys that likes to just leave it to the imagination. I kind of mm. always ask, how, what, what the feck, huh? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I go, I have all these reactions, but I genuinely don't want to know because I like going back to being a kid. When I'm watching Keith, there is certain elements that, you know, when you watch like a magic show and the stuff they does, you just don't want to know. You just want to be amazed by it all. And like yeah. he does some severe stuff. He does stunts. He does hypnotism. Yeah. He's just mad in the fucking head, to tell you the truth. Like, but, uh, yeah, he really is like some kids, you know, go out and play football. He was playing with fucking knives and and crossbows with a deck of cards. Like he's not normal. He is brilliant at the end of the day. And did you actually have to go and get a new pin? Yeah. I had to, yeah. The interview was going out, I think it was the day after New Year's Day. I think it was the 2nd of January. It was before lockdown and he was playing here in Galway and he had two nights back to back. So I had him in the first day promoting the show like because there was a few tickets for the second night left. He was just talking about what was going on the tour 
And he decided that, you know, to do this trickery of guessing my bank pin number. When I got to it, like I was kind of thinking, I'm definitely going to have to change my pin number because if I lost my card and someone's seen the interview clips, I'm going to be broke. Mind you, I was already bloody broke after Christmas, so it made no difference. I had to ring. It was the next day after the show I tried ringing and they were still on bank holiday leave from the New Year's holidays. So it took me two days to go and change the feckin' pin number. (laughs) Jesus. I went to uh, Las Vegas a few years ago and I went to see David Copperfield. You know, his stage show. And I have to say, like, it was amazing. I mean, like, I think most people are fascinated with magicians. Like, you kind of, you know, it's obviously fake, but you don't know how they do it. And I, like, I'm fascinated with it as well. I would actually love to be able to do some magic tricks, but obviously I haven't a clue. And I haven't got the patience for it either. Because obviously that would take, like, hours and hours and hours of actually practice. And I just don't yeah. have the patience for it. Like, the stuff that he's to do pre shows is ridiculous like it, it takes him maybe three to four months possibly even more depending on how severe he wants to get it right like you know and he had to adapt for the zoom shows which i found fascinating because like mm. how can you read someone's mind over zoom or you know or get yeah. a feel because i would imagine magic is is you know you want the audience interaction like any singer or comedian out there but you know w- when you're like based on like hypnotism that's just a whole different thing. Like, and as for actually being in the physical form of doing tricks on stage, like Copperfield does, for instance, and Keith does, it's just, yeah, it's it's a it's a world of its own. But you know something? Like, I never thought of it this way until I saw his show. Uh, I was lucky enough to see his opening show here in Galway of the current tour that he's on, Reconnected. I thought this is actually good for the mental health because it's something different. Like, you're so locked into what he's doing. And, you know, like you get such an adrenaline rush yourself, even though it's different for him because he's doing it. But like you just it's just amazement. And I think that common thing of just being amazed and being at something different. Now, there is that worry, of course, that he's going to pick you out because he really does interact with the audience a lot. And like if you're brought up on stage, he'll he'll make sure when he picks you, you're up on that stage like he's a ruthless fucker for it but it's good it really is good for what he's doing and uh you you do have that nerves so oh, i don't want to be picked i don't want to go up there and all this kind of stuff and uh, yeah, yeah it's because you just don't know it's the fear of unknown but sometimes that's a great thing so you know yeah well come here listen one of the questions he asked you was um where would you like to go on holiday i think you said la is that your favorite spot would you like to go have you been there before no, I've never been to the States and I, I want to go. I have two or three friends over there and I really do want to go over and visit them at some point. So fingers crossed I go and get to have a getaway soon. I really would like to see uh, Florida first or Las Vegas. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever been on a holiday or like you're never going back there again? <laughs> it's an absolute disaster. I've had a bad experience on a holiday, but nothing to do with where I wouldn't go back there again. I was working in sound uh, as a sound man for a, a, a Joe Dolan tribute show back when Jesus was a child. I was doing sound engineering and I would do photographs. So long story short, it was all expenses paid trip, which was brilliant because I was working there. That It was a part of the thing as well. The guy that booked it was a disaster because he ended up booking us a fucking airport, I think four hours away from where we were going. The, the show was in the Barroza Park Hotel in Cadiz and he fucking flew us into Alicante or something and the bus drive 
was absolutely shocking. And not only did we have to do the same bus drive there to the venue, we had to do it fucking back again. And this was only a weekend trip. We, we left Friday morning and we were back, I think, uh, Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday evening. It should have been very simple going, but just a disaster. But I did remember seeing this thing, right? It was great crack. It was at the time they were bringing in the, you know, don't text while you're driving. It was the start of like mm. all those ads coming out. I think a lot of the Spanish are religious to a degree. And they had this thing, uh, don't text and drive as it'll be a sin to Jesus. Literally all these signs were on there along the highway. And one of them was great gas. If you are a follower of Jesus, you know, respect him and all this kind of stuff. And then one was is uh, don't disrespect Jesus and text be grateful for life, something along those lines. But then there was a follow-up sign further down. And it yes. said, mm. if you want to meet Jesus quicker than expected, keep texting. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, a good bit of marketing there. Do you have any bad holiday stories? I've n- never really had a bad holiday, but I tell the one place I would love to go back to because that it didn't get to spend a lot of time there was Australia. So that was kind of one regret was I was only there for like three months or so. And I would have liked to to be in there longer. So when I went to Australia, I was a qualified lifeguard. And uh, obviously in my own personal story, we've I've spoken about getting to the stage of being a lifeguard. And it was like a struggle, you know, on my mental health and stuff. And we'll get to that eventually. But when I went to Australia, the plan was for me to be a lifeguard in Australia. That's what I had in my head. But of course, when I got there and I asked a few questions, it turned out that like any qualifications I had were like not for over there. I had to get all new qualifications and all this, and I wasn't doing it again. So anyway, so it was like the second day or something that we were there, and I had gone with this, you know, friend of mine who wasn't a very strong swimmer. And I think it was the second day we went to the the beach, like the local beach, and it wasn't Bondi Beach. I think it was Manly Beach, so it's in Sydney, but it was kind of across the harbour somewhere. And uh, so he had this idea, right? He's going to go out, you know, and go for a swim or go for a dip in the sea. And I stayed on the beach. I didn't really want to, I didn't really want to go. Like, I mean, at the time, like, my mental health wasn't great anyway. And I wasn't going to want to take my top off. I didn't want to get in the water. So I was probably just sitting on the sand and t shirt or whatever. So he goes down in, into the sea. And of course, he, he wasn't a great swimmer. I'm sure he didn't know anything about currents or tides and rip ties and all that type of stuff. So he was only in there like 30 seconds and I could see him. <laughs> I could see him waving at me yeah. <laughs> on the water and I'm sitting on, on, on the sand like on the beach just waving back at him thinking <laughs> oh, he's having a great time out there well, sure wasn't he drowning well he wasn't drowning but he wasn't far off it. so he obviously got caught in some sort of like a, like a current or something and so he's waving back again it was two hands this time and I of course waving back at him you know it's a thing out of it and sure in the corner of my eye I could see his lifeguard come bombing past me Diving into the water to go and save my friend. <laughs> she didn't have to kind of drag drag him back out. Like he like he was fine when he got out of the water, but she like you know he came up to me and went absolutely ballistic. It's like <laughs> I, I fucking shouting at you. You're the lifeguard. You just left me sitting there. So I was just waving back at him. I didn't think out of it. Oh my god! Yeah, that was that was day two. I think it was probably a, a couple of weeks later. He had this other brainwave where he was. He wanted to do a course to be a scuba diver instructor. Don't know where he got that from. Someone obviously said it to him. Mm. And I was like, you can't swim. How are you going to be a scuba diver instructor? 
fucking moron. Like I, I said, to him, look, I'll, I'll do it with you and see what happens, right? Just for the crack. I had no intentions of doing it. So yeah. we got down to this, like, to the local swimming pool. It was an outdoor swimming pool, and it was like a 50-foot, like a, an Olympic-sized swimming pool, and it was outdoor, and it was absolutely freezing the water. And the instructor says, like, you know, listen, I just want to see how, you, you know, your your swimming capabilities are. So we just asked everyone just to hop in and even just do two lengths. She didn't get, like, 10 yards, and he starts sinking. Oh, God. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, I'm going to have to save him again. <laughs> I think I just left him. We'd have to save him for the first time, not again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for the first time. I don't. I didn't do it the second time either. I just left him. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so he, he, he grabbed on to, like, the, you know, like, the the rope, you know, the, the, the lanes for the dividers and the lanes. He's oh, like, yeah. grabbed onto that. Somebody went and got him. It wasn't me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are a casting director for the new Baywatch film, don't cast Keith, folks, because he's useless. <laughs> Worst lifeguard in the world. There'll be a documentary about you on Channel 4. What people don't do in their profession. <laughs> yeah, what not to do. So needless to say, I've never actually uh, followed my dreams of being a lifeguard. Oh, dear God. This is actually going to lead me into my next thing, to tell you the truth, because, you know, when you were training to be a lifeguard and all that and you say you're fully qualified. We, we've yet to see proof of all this, but um, did you have to do like a strict eating diet for all that kind of stuff? You know, you know, no. to be fit and to be ready to go and save somebody. Like, no, it was never mentioned. Um, obviously, you would have had to be, I suppose. Um, it was never mentioned. I, I, I don't think there was never much talk of that at the time. Um, but having been at the um the classes and seeing all the other guys who were in good shape that was like a big trigger for me mm. you know where all kind of what started to kind of come from but you kind of got the idea by looking around you know thinking oh, jesus mm. christ like you know it might be a good time to actually air our own personal stories on this your mm. body dysmorphia and eating disorder. Now, the eating disorders probably came a little bit later, but the body dysmorphia was a mm. thing that was in you from a young age. And funny enough, it all started at a swimming pool, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so when I was 13, I think it was about 13 or so, I, I, I got enrolled in these life-saving classes. And uh, I had never really, I don't ever remember having any body issues before that. But I suppose at 13, you know, you're starting to develop and, you know, all of a sudden you kind of you're standing on the side of a swimming pool, you know, with all these other guys and, and girls and you're comparing yourself to them. So, yeah, that's where my that's where my body issues really started. I started to compare myself a lot to everyone else. I just wasn't comfortable in, like in my own skin. And I always say this. I think if it had been normal swimming lessons, I might have been OK because you're in the pool. Mm. But with the lifesaving classes, you are out on the side of the pool a lot of the time because you're rehearsing life-saving scenarios or you're, you know, the instructor's teaching you something or CPR or whatever you're doing. So you're out, a lot of the pool, you're out of the pool a lot. And I always remember um, the, the instructors saying to the guys that we weren't allowed to wear shorts. You yeah. had to wear, like, Speedos. Right. And I just was not comfortable in them at all. So, yeah, that's where my that's where my struggles. And I, like, I never even heard of the term body dysmorphia, as you know, until last year. You know, but so for 20 odd years, I had been living with this condition that I never didn't even know that that there was a name from 13 up until probably 18 or so, or maybe 19. I was doing life saving classes, but sure when I finished and was qualified, the damage was done at that stage. 
Yeah, because yeah, it started quite young enough. Like to be fair, mm. so like I I can kind of relate to that. Um, I, I I'm gonna tell my story on the next mm. episode because I, okay. I, I I want to give you the chance to air your you know your story in in better format. So I mm. wanted to just kind of circle back a little bit. So after you left the lifeguarding classes, did you just mm. go because of that? Now, even though you're qualified, and because of how you're gonna look and be perceived. Is that what stopped you from saying going down that line or did you just happen to change job like most of us do when we're in our 20s and not really do what we set out to do in the first place? Oh, I had no intention to doing it because I resented it altogether. I never wanted to be there in the first place. I, I hated being there, resented being there. Oh, I was never going to continue on with it because, first of all, the damage was done. I didn't want to be seen standing on the side of a swimming pool anyway. Yeah. But I also hated it so much that I did not like, I mean, I know I said it was, that was my plan going to Australia, but even if I had been told, I probably 99% wouldn't have done it in Australia anyway. Mm. It was just something I had in my head that I was kind of telling myself. But when I got there, I was never going to do it really, to be honest. Um, and even to this day, I very rarely go to a swimming pool now um, mm. for the same reasons. I'm just, you know, I mean, I'm much better now than I was, but I'm still, I, it's still there. You know, the, the, the self conscious you know just this just not being comfortable it's still there i don't think it, it'll never go away i don't i don't think it ever will you know when, like i said i am much, much better but it, it, i think it'll always be there to a certain extent when you say that it'll always be there for people that's listening what is it that that you kind of battle with constantly all the time with body dysmorphia now like as you said you have gotten a little bit more better but you know, if, if we were to go, just jump back a little bit there, what were you dealing with? Like myself, with kind of what I was going through, you've, mm. you're always battling in your head with what you're thinking. So it's like a constant yeah. argument with yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, there's so much. I suppose we better explain what body dysmorphia is mm-hmm. before we go on any further, because people are like, what the hell is that? So what body dysmorphia is, or body dysmorphic disorder, as it's actually properly known as, is a condition where you are constantly worried about flaws in your appearance that you think you have and you think everyone else can see them. But in reality, they're not there at all. A lot of it is in your own head. Mm. Um, so it can be about your weight or your shape. So for me, it was a bit of both. Um, so like I didn't like, you know, uh, I didn't like my my stomach, for example. I didn't like my... Thought I had a spare tire, like a small one. I didn't like, you know, so on my lower back, I didn't like my jawline. I didn't like my hairline. You know, I didn't like my wrists. I had a tiny little bear mark on my ear. I didn't like, so, you you know, it was a mixture of everything for me. It was shape and um, weight. All and right. That's kind of how, that's kinda how the, the, the food stuff started. But it was really that the body shape. So even, for example, I wouldn't want to go bowling with my friends because I'd have to lean forward in the lane throw the ball down the, the lane and I'd lean forward and I thought everyone would be looking at the weight of my lower back and thinking, oh, you know, oh, would you look at him? Would you need not go exercise? And all this stuff runs through your head. So you're constantly worried about what other people are looking at you, you know, and that's the same to swimming pool. If I went to swimming pool now, I'd, you know, you go through the changing room and you go through that little, you know, hole in the wall, you know, straight out to the pool. And as soon as I do that, I feel everyone is looking at me. And mm-hmm. if I don't feel I look right i just won't want to be there you know and, and it would control everything really you know control i'd stop going out i'd just stop kind of seeing my friends because they want to be doing things and i just wouldn't be comfortable or 
you'd have to have a certain shaped t-shirt because all this type of stuff and mm-hmm. you know it would control every part of your day you know wow. even in work i didn't want to lift something up because i didn't want to turn a certain way sitting in traffic in the car I, I don't like when people pull up beside me in traffic because i think they're i don't like my side profile all this type of stuff you know and then you'd end up just putting my hand up to my face which i still do now as far as i have it and mm. um, just so much so so much where like every day of the week like from morning till, till night till you go to bed you're you're constantly worrying about your flaws and it's mentally and physically draining you know and it just takes its toll on you after a while when I mean, you're gonna crash yeah, well, I was just going to say, like, there's only so much of that that you could put up with. And it really is a constant battle with yourself. Uh, how did you move on? You know, like, when, when did realization kick in that, look, I need to go and talk to somebody about this and and, and go and get mm. help? Uh, only recently, I suppose. I mean, I went for therapy for depression in my 20s, but I didn't ever talk about my body because I didn't realize that my depression was linked to that type of stuff I just thought I was depressed for different things you know so I kind of let it go for a long time and because when it's kind of turned out that I I don't look like I have a problem like with food or body image I don't look like I have a problem I look perfectly fine Mm. no one ever really said that to me so I was able I I had just just, it was all in my head for a long time so I got on with it really you know I I say got on with it but I I was miserable and it was really only as we know we've talked about my other podcast I was only when I started that and people obviously picked up on a few things that I had said, and I ended up doing like a, a short kind of documentary for eating disorders because um, I knew I had a problem with food. Yeah. And the, the, the term body dysmorphia came up in that. And I was like, well, I better go and look this up. And then that's when the light bulb went off. I was like, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, this is actually this is actually a condition I have. And the know? wee little donkey. <laughs> and the wee little donkey, yeah. So that's just remarkable. It's It's amazing to see like, you know, something that you can live with so long you know because nothing is said and because Mm. we're Irish you know we always have that Irish self-deprecating way where we don't like to talk about things whether the Americans would be up for talking about their feelings we Mm. really kind of like push that down in ourselves and I think we're always shooting ourselves in the foot straight away you know even if we get a promotion at work or or some little kind of notch we should celebrate it more often rather than yeah. the not uh, yeah. celebrated. You know, I, I think it's important in that regard. It's very interesting uh, to tell yeah. you the truth. So, you know, well, I, I know you're doing a lot better now, which is great to know, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, just understanding it is half the battle for me anyway. You know, like, because like, knowing that, it, like, okay, it was all in my head, but it was all, it's all in a lot of other people's head as well. And knowing that you're not alone and knowing that there is, help out there you know actually knowing that there's a community out there of people you can talk to and relate to was massive so just learning that was a you know learning that that was a a term for this helped me massively you know oh Oh, well that's good and and talking about it and getting out there as you said it's it really is important so it's it's interesting well you know good on you for highlighting it because it is important and it's something that we don't see every day we do Mm. hear about anxiety depression a lot you know suicide you know because the mm. news has a lot of these kind of stuff aired now, whether before yeah. it wasn't. So it, we have come along a long way, you know, as I said earlier, when the Americans or other people do talk about their feelings. So we are getting there. We're a bit behind the times. But I, yeah. I've, I've always said this as well. Talking is key. A problem shared is a problem halved. So it's yeah, exactly. a really good thing. So just to move on, I want to hit on our 
sort of uplifting story. So this is kind of something that <laughs> is a little oh. bit of an oxymoron for an uplifting story. But out of your knowledge, who would you say off the top of your head is the richest person in the world or who was the richest person in the world? Well, Elon Musk is at the moment. There was Jeff Be- Bezos from Amazon. And before him, it was Bill Gates, wasn't it? I wasn't quite expecting that reaction with all that because I didn't think you'd know all this. But <laughs> yeah, you, you're you're technically not right. Okay. Right. So yeah. what actually happened was a couple of years ago, I'm not too sure when exactly, but the richest man in the world was actually a guy from Philadelphia called Chris okay. Reynolds. Now, he was only rich in the world, the world's richest man for only a few hours, believe it or not. Because <laughs> okay. it was... T- the, his richness, if you want to call it, was taken away from him. <laughs> You're joking me. Okay. No, I'm not joking. This is fucking true, right? So th- <laughs> this would, imagine this with your mental health. It'll play absolute oh. fuck with it. So what happened was, I'll, I'll briefly tell it because you can look it up. Mm. I found this on joe.ie and this is Chris Reynolds. He was literally given $92 quadrillion in his account and it was actually put in to his PayPal account. This guy wasn't by any means rich at all. He sold car parts for a living. So, you know, he was earning a quick book, but not necessarily shitting mm. money, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it was just one day he logged into his PayPal account and saw that there was 92 quadrillion dollars, which is actually a real number, by the way. And mm. uh, it's just unreal. So imagine having this money yeah, for just... a few hours. Like I would have went completely nuts. I would have bought everything <clears throat> and anything around me. If yeah, I saw yeah. 92 quadrillion dollars yeah. in my PayPal account. Yeah. Where did it come from? Um, It doesn't say it was right. a technical error through PayPal. So it wasn't necessarily from a company per se. It wasn't sent. Yeah. It was just PayPal had disp- deposited the money into his account. Yeah. And then uh, that was it. Like, so <laughs> it was amazing because oh. it was taken off. But PayPal did apologize for it. Did they? That's nice. Yeah, and they said they'd make a a charity donation in his name of a a sum of money. Yeah, (laughs) but not to him. I was like, oh my god, I I would have sued the fuckers. I would have said, well, that's your problem. It's nothing to do with me. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It mind you, it probably would have brought the company on its knees. I think they did say that. Look, if we let you keep this money, all sorts of crap is going to happen. So. Yeah, you know, which is fair okay. enough, but yeah, so it's that's what I mean by a half-assed uplifting story. But I, I, I just thought the story was amazing, and I just had to share Jeez. it. But like, that is amazing, actually. I wonder if you had a bot anything, would they made him give it back? Um, I'd say you probably did buy a few things. It was nothing that they probably couldn't write off. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? It wasn't if he was going to go and buy a fucking mansion right. in the space of a couple of hours. Do you know what I mean? So, I'd, <laughs> I'd say you probably just, you know went to hell for leather fucking buying takeaways and and yeah. maybe a few things on ebay or something i don't know for certain it is true right this okay story. so uh, the source is philly.com uh yeah. quotes so if you want to go and check it out further chris mm. reynolds 92 quadrillion dollars millionaire billionaire quadrillionaire <laughs> whatever you want to yeah, call it yeah for but, a few um, hours so I, i'm well, gonna I, leave it at that yeah for this i was just week. gonna say that <laughs> on that note i think we wrap it up <laughs> on that note jesus uh, <clears throat> nothing could follow that uh, fortune well, and misfortune all in one yeah. I have to say 
Yeah, yeah, Christ Almighty, right? I suppose. Look, before we go, we'll um just we'll because we, we always mention this, so we'll mention we, we have the website, so it's the wafflebox.podcast.com. And if you want to get in contact with us, just fill out the contact form, send us some messages, suggestions, or whatever you want us to chat about, and we'll take a look at them. And also, of course, we're on our social medias, it's the Wafflebox Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for us and we're there. And the podcast is obviously, of course, on all the Regular, normal uh, platforms where you get your podcasts. You think, that, that's right, Chris. We actually got it right this week, did we? <laughs> we did, until you but decided you to say that. that. You could have went smooth sailing and it would have turned <laughs> out perfect. Just ah, shut yeah, up and we... keep going. <laughs> right. That, that's it. The end. We're off. <laughs> yeah, thanks a million, guys, for listening. And we'll be back again next week with another Waffle Box. Until then, take care bye and bye take bye. it easy. 